0: Welcome back to the Distracted Driving Podcast. I'm Sean Genovese. I'm Rex.
1: Wait for it. Williams. (laughs) There it is.
0: (laughs) This is episode 16. Uh, More of our conversation with our friend
1: Kevin Meredith. So awesome. He is full of wisdom and knowledge and vision. He's got the vision, which is amazing. If
0: you didn't catch episode 15, where we began our conversation, um, Kevin is on an epic road trip with his family, um, a several months long road trip, going to all the national parks. So this conversation takes place uh, just outside of Glacier National Park. There are train whistles. uh, There are trees in the background. Uh, Kevin has a full beard.
1: Full beard. (laughs) Yeah, he's great um this
0: episode uh picks up where we left off, and uh, he he gets into talking more about the incubator and accelerator programs that uh, fourth sector his company offers um, and uh, talks about the shift of of funding and where his his endeavor fits into that to try to help uh, entities yeah to try to help entities uh, really understand if if there's a there there. With their work, so
1: yeah, and it's really cool how he blends. Like he talks about government, nonprofit, business, trying to blend everything together, and his programs sound really amazing.
0: For yeah, which which is the fourth sector, apparently. I didn't know that. That was another new vocabulary term um, that mm-hmm. I learned last time. So I think I think uh, we need to just get out of the way and uh, let's get into yeah. the conversation. So episode sixteen, Kevin Meredith. Enjoy. So let me um, let me see then if this use case uh, would pan out. So, you know, I've got uh, 35, I think, students in my innovation class, 31 students okay. in my innovation class. So so they go through this program and, and they graduate and they decide, you know what, um, I've done a project now where I studied the logistics operations out of uh, Ontario Airport. I think I have an idea for how we can... Uh, optimize storage do it faster better cheaper yeah. whatever yep so would they then come to your um collective and say yep. hey look we've got this idea can you help us with the ideation or or help us with the the exploration yep. of how to how to market this and turn it into yeah exactly
2: something? and so our incubator is the earliest stage so first of all both our incubator and accelerator programs up to this point because of the relationship with the city of ontario uh, all the programs we've offered through Ontario have been non-dilutive, which means we don't take a piece of the company, and there's no fee, which means we don't charge people to be in the programs. Essentially, because the city's able to underwrite our ability to provide these services, we don't have to handcuff early-stage founders by taking a piece of their company before they're really going to get the benefit of giving up that equity or crowding up their cap table. So what we we're really proud of that um, that's a model that uh, we want we will always honor a specific number of slots in every cohort that we do for individuals that can't afford um, or strategically don't think it's a good idea um, to give up some equity in their company and so um we will do that for both the incubator and the accelerator. The incubator is called interphase and that program is really focused on the earliest earliest stage the idea stage venturing which in the marketplace there's a huge problem in that the vcs are now operating they want bigger bigger deals more maturity and so they're they're going uh later stage into the into their investing primarily mm-hmm. they're rubbing up against private equity in the size of these deals and then what we're seeing is the angels are now operating in a space where the VCs used to work maybe five to, to eight years ago. And then it's pulling a gap to where early stage funding um, really could be most beneficial to a lot of the mm. startups. And that's that's why like we think there's a really good fit for the business model that we have to provide this access to these types of resources and really get them going on the right foot. Um, the, so is there a there there is basically how we define the incubator. We want them to go out and do real stakeholder discovery to determine if the idea that's in their head or their shared founding team's head is actually matched with the reality of the world versus the convenience of their own uh, fantasy. And so that really drives all the programming in that program. We want our participants to have 500 engagement points with real stakeholders as they get done with that six month program. And then they can have the confidence, not us, they can have the confidence that they either wanna move faster, change direction, or hang it up and say, this isn't for me. Any of those three in a six month period, we think is a really good outcome. Because if you understand that there's an opportunity cost of working on something beyond those six months, and you know today that it doesn't make sense to do that, then stop doing it and go work on something else that you think can have that impact or get the outcomes that you really want. And so that's really the core of our, our incubator program, the accelerator program. Yeah. And there's no guarantee that you go right from the incubator program into the accelerator program. We have a firewall and that firewall is a term that learned at Boeing uh, through an organization called Bionic uh, and one of their founders, David Kidder, who happens to be a Rochester Institute of Technology grad also. So go Tigers. that's very much out of my character. I don't think I've ever said go Tigers in my whole life when I wasn't playing soccer. But well, anyway, I mean, um, y- you
0: have to be being in the woods the way you are. I think you have to get friendly with the Tigers and the Bears. <laughs> and the...
2: If there's Tigers yeah. here, we're in trouble. Um, <laughs> the, uh, but the idea of this economic oxygen is, OK, you've gone out. You've done some stakeholder discovery. You believe beyond your own cognition that there's evidence to move forward with this thing. Now, do you have paying customers? Do you have, at a minimum, a memorandum of understanding, an MOU that says, if you had this product today, I would buy it? If you don't have at least that, then you're not ready to be in the accelerator program because our accelerator program is about understanding the scalability of the venture that they're pursuing and getting them on the right path to start that scaling. That's really what our program is all about. And we want to be able to provide them, again, not only the founding teams, but also the investors that are now ready to invest in them to have confidence that this is something that makes sense to invest in, that there is something real here. And being able to demonstrate that through real economic exchange is one of the strongest signals to provide. So that's that's how we look at those two pieces of the equation. It's not fully comprehensive; we don't have our own equity fund, so we're not taking a piece um, and then driving that capital in to see outcomes. We're just trying to get them ready so that other accelerator programs uh angels, private investors, whatever it might be, they're ready to to fully execute on that venture
0: so if If I can take a stab at grossly oversimplifying this as I like to do, um, <laughs> it really sounds like that what what you're doing with fourth sector. Innovation is your you're helping people entrepreneurial type people understand the innovation process specifically though as it relates to connecting with stakeholders to and boy you dropped a lot of terms here that I'm jotting down that I like uh, e- economic oxygen being one of them yeah All right, so you're you're trying to make sure that they understand how to build something that a stakeholder needs as opposed to just something that's fun to do for the or purpose values. Of, of, I mean, or, or values,
2: it doesn't just have to be okay. a need. It could be right. anything that they value. Right.
0: But, but for the purpose of then being able to monetize it and, and get angels or, or other investors to, to invest in it.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing we didn't talk about is the details of the innovation system So out of all the work that we did at Boeing and then out in the real world, we summarized all that together. My background is industrial and systems engineering. So we developed a system model for innovation. And so all the people that go through our entrepreneurial programs, the incubator and the accelerator also get full access to this innovation resource kit and this system and principles that support the execution of that innovation. There's a huge thing um, This is going to get a bit technical and nerdy, but we have uh, developed a a curve that we call the cumulative value realization curve. And it's a little bit of a, a mouthful, but it's really powerful if you stop and think about it. So think about an exponential curve going up. That represents, and it's encapsulated with most of the definition of innovation that we use. And helps distinguish a little bit about the difference between commercialization and innovation, ideas, uh, invention, and creativity. So at the flat part of the curve, way down, that's creativity. Creativity is happening all the time, like constantly making connections and dots, but not every one of those pieces of creative impulse are gonna actually produce something that you can recognize or articulate out into the world. And that's where there's a transition to something that we call an idea or an invention. Those things happen. They create more value, but it's still just a tiny amount of value. So many times people are like, Oh, I don't want anyone else to know about my idea because they'll steal it. Yeah, there is risk that that could happen, but there's also a risk that by keeping it to yourself, you're not learning about other things that are very similar to the idea that you had that either you could learn from or recognize that it's already been done. Maybe I need to find something else. And so there, there is risk in on both sides of that equation, whether someone steals your idea or you have, uh, you lose progress or you waste a lot of resources pursuing it when you didn't have to. Um, well,
0: there's, there's value though, in the sharing of, of the the information, um, I just gave my students an assignment to read chapter two from a book called The Wealth of Networks. And that is uh, precisely one of the points that's made is uh, there were studies done about um, countries where IP is more protected. Um, so, so in other words, the more stringent the, the um, uh, patent and trademark laws are, Yep. The lower the rate of investment in research and development because it, you you're making the information the, the upfront cost to now acquire the starting point of information is more expensive. Yeah. As opposed to hey, you know what, we're going to allow people to to have access to our IP. Um great. So now I don't have to expend all those resources getting it and I can build upon it and it it's you know, there's some pluses and minuses, of course, yeah. uh, to all of that. But the idea being, great, now we are are uh, building up the greater good faster. And then you yeah. go find another way to monetize. It's not just the IP. It's maybe how you're using it.
1: Yep. Yeah, it, it can be faster to market. Yeah, yeah and, you know, and one of the things – right?
2: yeah. Sorry, Rex, I didn't mean to talk over you.
1: Well, he, he doesn't do patents. He just, you know, he doesn't believe in patents. He just wants to move fast and make it happen.
0: Who? Who? We didn't hear who you said.
1: Oh, Elon Musk.
0: Oh,
2: yeah. I responded back to someone had quoted Elon Musk saying the number one factor in innovation is speed or something like that. I, I would argue from a systems perspective, there is no single thing that if if you do speed really well and you are not good at everything else, then speed is not as important. And so you have to look at these things kind of collectively. And that's what our system model really helps people drive their understanding of the, the interactions and the implications of a, an entire system of activity that you're trying to ultimately get an outcome versus, hey, let's just go be really fast at you know staying in front with our IP or whatever it might be.
0: I wonder if um, my Venn diagram is not something you've already created that I have here for innovation because what I have is I have a circle called value that is inside of a circle called stakeholders. And then off to the side, but intersecting with those two at the same time, is creativity. And the point that I was trying to drive home with uh, with the lecture that I delivered on this was, you know, you can have a creative endeavor that's not innovative because yep. it doesn't have any value. And in totally. order to have value, you have to have a stakeholder.
2: Yep. Well, and like, so, the caveat on that last one is the stakeholder could be yourself. So Correct.
1: you could yes. create
2: value for yourself and not care about the rest of the world. But it's going to be right. really hard to make a monetize like to monetize that and to commercialize that for if it's just for yourself. You can get great value out of it, but you may not have then the ability to commercialize it. So you still can create value for yourself, but that if that self if you have an interest beyond just yourself, then you really have to put that check in the value that you've created for yourself, is that shared with other people if you want to pursue that as something more than, yeah. you know, self gratifying. Um, and then the the creativity, I, I always do this exercise with clients and it's like, we'll do it right now. And, and the listeners can do it too. This isn't something you have to have visual, right? You can do this while you're driving. Um, you can be distracted and drive. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there it is.
1: There you go. Good um, placement. There, it is. there you go.
2: So, <laughs> so it. just uh, think about, ready? I, I'm going to give you three seconds and just make up a new word in your head. Ready? And then be ready to share it. Ready? Go. Three seconds is all you get. Just a word that does you don't have a definition. Just tell me the just word.
1: Pop, then pop it out Yeah. Right now.
2: Just something that doesn't exist and you just created it. Go ahead. Plain Fabulate.
1: Channel-y nice. W-
2: we. <laughs> Perfect, so uh congratulations, you were just creative, but it has zero value right it has It has no value for you, and it has no value. I mean, maybe some entertainment value, but like no real value for you or me. But now, what we can do is say, "Oh, I really like those words that Rex and Sean just came up with. I have a new goal is to take those words and I want them to get incorporated into the Webster's dictionary within three years. That's my new goal in life. So what do you have to do? You have to assign some kind of definition to it. You have to do a whole bunch of value-added tasks in order for that word to spread and become meaningful to a bunch of people. So you're creating value for a bunch of stakeholders now in order for them to adopt that word and use it uh, so that you can have the satisfaction of having a word in the Webster's dictionary. So you know, it takes a whole lot of input in order to get to that goal whatever it might be so we were we were just creative but we didn't create any value initially but that value it it's kind of like the lottery right if you don't have that creativity if you don't put the dollar in or the two dollars to play the lotto or super lotto plus whatever it is then you can't win so that's why we believe that conversion of creativity into value is foundational for innovation You have to convert creativity into value um, in order to innovate. Otherwise, you could do a lot of interesting things, but you're not actually innovating.
0: I did a a very similar but quick experiment, not so much with the innovation, but with value in class. I held up my pen and I walked up to a student and I said, would you like to pay $100 for my pen? And he said, no. I said, okay. So, by the way, completely unrelated to that question I just asked, uh, anybody who does their next assignment with this pen gets an A in the class and doesn't have to show up anymore. And then I went and asked him the same question. I said, would you like to spend $100 on my pen? And guess yep. what he said?
2: <laughs> I bet the different answer than the first Absolutely. one. Absolutely. Okay.
0: I'd love to buy your pen from you. Um, yeah, so that's, yeah, the, that's great. the value that's a great changed. Do that.
2: Exactly. It's the same
1: thing, but had more value. Yeah.
0: All right, that's it for episode 16 with Kevin Meredith.
1: Man, doesn't he know so much? Like, he he knows so many details and is making Crea- things happen. It's
0: Creativity so is the cost of entry for innovation.
1: <laughs> we were Much creative. cheaper than a
0: lottery <laughs> ticket. Yeah, right? We were, <laughs> but we were creative, but creative, but it has it. no value.
1: It has no value. <laughs> that was a, a fun exercise. What a great
0: title for a show.
1: Yeah, yeah, so... It uh, doesn't mean you, ha- you, you, know, you should still be creative all the time, um, but uh, to try to make it have value somehow. So.
0: Well, we have uh, two more episodes lined up with yeah. Kevin Novation, so uh, tune in next week for the next episode.